Good morning on this Friday morning. Welcome to our devotional, Golden Nuggets, Food for Thought and for the Imagination. Today we're going to be looking at exactly where we left off yesterday, talking about Saul. We had been mentioning about how there was a parallel between Jacob and Esau, his twin brother, and how that resulted in two different nations and the nations uh, actually uh, continuing to further and divide in uh, Esau, uh, the Edomites, Amalekites, and all the others that are actually mentioned. But you also have the nation of Israel that came from Jacob or from Israel himself, the 12 tribes. Well, the fighting that had been taking place between the two brothers, the argument of having taken the birthright and also having taken the blessing, the double portion, resulted in animosity between Esau and Jacob. And of course, Jacob ran and hid for 20 years, and he was afraid to go back to where Esau was at because he was concerned that Esau was going to kill him. Well, the descendants of Esau wind up becoming these different nations and of course they always struggled and had fights against Israel. The scripture says, and this is where we're going to pick up today, in 1 Samuel chapter 13 verse 8 we're going to talk about when Saul as king is asked by Samuel exactly what God wants him to do. And then of course it jumps to chapter 15 where his was a partial obedience, not a full obedience, resulting in leaving doors open because of it. When God usually says to accomplish or do something, is because it needs to be fully done. And anything that is done partially, then uh, that is going to leave doors that are either opened or closed, uh, either for or against our benefit. Verse 8, and he tarried seven days according to the set time that Samuel had appointed. But Samuel came not to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. Saul, as a leader, didn't have the people uh, under control at this point. And basically, the people just kind of like threw in the towel and they scattered. And many times, our impatience on waiting on God results in us missing what God has for us. We either get ahead of him or we get set behind. And the enemy will do everything possible to get us ahead of the timing of God or to lag behind on the timing of God. But the prophet Samuel actually reveals and unveils something very important here. It says in verse 9, And Saul said, Bring hither a burnt offering to me, and peace offerings. And he offered the burnt offerings. In verse 10 it says, And it came to pass that as soon as he had made an end an offering, the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came, and Saul went out to meet him, that he might salute him. Now notice, the difference between having to wait a few more hours for Samuel to come and having done what he did 
is going to result in a very catastrophic decision that is made. And this is what the scripture says in verse number 11. And Samuel said, What hast thou done? And Saul said, Because I saw that the people were scattered from me, and that thou camest not within the days appointed, and the Philistines gathered themselves together at Mishmash, therefore said I, notice, he made the decision, the Philistines will come down now upon me in Gilgal, and I have not made supplication unto the Lord. I forced myself, therefore, and offered a burnt offering. And many times we do force ourselves to make a decision that is incorrect. Our actions are contrary to what God really wanted in our lives. It says in verse 13, And Samuel said to Saul, Thou hast done foolishly. Thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord thy God, which he commanded thee. For now would the Lord have established your kingdom upon Israel forever. Notice, a few hours of impatience and not waiting. By simply, and, and I would imagine that this was probably a test. To test him to see. What he would accomplish, of course, God knows everything ahead of time. But to see what he would do. And of course, he did what exactly was in his heart. He had the eye on the throne. He had his eye on the throne. Not God on the throne, but the eye. So I sacrificed. And it says in the scripture that Samuel told him, This day had you waited and patiently just been there as God had commanded, this day your kingdom would have been established here with Israel forever. But instead, in verse 14, very sad words, very, very sad words, but now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought him a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be captain over all his people, because thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. Now, I want to stop right here before continuing to just throw in something that's very important. When it comes time for our judgment to stand as believers in front of Christ and be judged for the works that we have done, for the things that we have done on this earth, the scripture says in the New Testament, let no man take your crown. This is one perfect parallel example of one man losing his crown to another. He was called to do a work. He was not able to accomplish and fulfill doing the work that he was called to do. Therefore, it was given to another. In this case, it's given over to David. Now, you may say, wow, but, 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 no, there is no buts in this. In the New Testament, Jesus teaches concerning the talents, how one man uh, was given five, how another was given two, how another was given one. Uh, 
And the one that was given one talent buried it. And when it came time for the rewards, uh, uh, one was granted, uh, he was given uh, ten, ten, ten cities or ten kingdoms or, or ten, ten cities to rule. The other was given two. But the one that had buried in, in the ground, they told, take away from him what he has and give it to the one that had ten. Now stop and think about that. This is exactly what happened here. That which was another's is given to someone else because of the inability or the lack of wantonness to want to do it and miss out on what God has for an individual. One may say, well, my talent is this, in this area. I want to apply it here. This is what I want to do. I think this is where God would have me do. But without knowing for sure where God has actually placed you because you've not sought his face for that one particular area, we wind up with the spirit of assumption, thinking or assuming or presuming that this is when it really is not. And in that case, then the work has to be given to someone else to fulfill it or to finish it. The apostles, when they had selected after Judas had committed suicide, they, of course, rolled the dot, the, 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 the lots to see who would be the one to replace him. But in reality, when you read the scriptures, you really wind up finding out that Paul was probably the best replacement for Judas that could have ever possibly been. So just from this one little section here, we can see, but now the kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought him out a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be captain over his people. Captain, literally, uh, just when we talk about the armed forces or or any basically he was saying i he he has made him the commander he has made him the the leader over the people of israel because thou has not kept and remember all it was his impatience to wait till samuel would get there and because of that he lost that opportunity. Now, we find this happening again in chapter 15. But here is another point that I want to make. We're going to find later that Saul and Jonathan are the only two that really have weapons. The others do not. And we have to ask ourselves, what happened to all the weapons that were received when the Egyptians wound, wound up on the, on the shores, you know, a lot of years have transpired, hundreds of years have transpired. You would have thought by now that they would have learned to make their own weapons. But verse 19 is very revealing. It says, Now, there were no smiths found throughout all the land of Israel. For the Philistines said, Lest the Hebrews make them swords or spears. Now, if I was to just use the word sword and the word spear, we could go to the book of Ephesians in chapter 6, and we could learn that the weapons that are given that are mighty through God, that 
are included in the armor of God for the believer are the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and the spear, which the Roman soldier had, which I had mentioned, Paul used him as an analogy, uh, looking at him, having been chained to him for three years uh, as a prisoner. The scripture says that the sword is our prayers, all manner of prayer, uh, excuse me, the spears, because you can launch those. You don't have to be right next to the person as you are with the sword, but you can launch them. And we can consider swords the, uh, the, the, the weapon of close contact and wrestling. But the spears could be launched even by some type of a, uh, some type of a machinery or some type of an invention in great distances. But even if one was throwing one, you were still far away enough where you didn't make close contact with your enemy and the spirit would be effective in that area. Even Goliath had a spear. When David came up against Goliath, all he had was the little smooth round stones, but he had the name of the Lord with him. So if you stop and think about the Philistine strategy, if we can get the prayer warriors out of commission. If we can get the people to quit reading and studying their Bibles and using the Word of God both as logos and rhema in their lives, if we can eliminate these individuals and get them out, then they will have nothing to fight us with. If you continue reading that story, and I know I did a brief uh, analogy there, but it says in verse 20, But all the Israelites went down to the Philistines to sharpen every man uh, his share, uh, his uh, cutler, uh, his axe, or his uh, matlock. These were the tools that they used for their work, whether it was a plow or an axe cutting down a tree. And it says in verse 21, Yet they had a file for a madlock and for a cutler and for the forks and for the axes to sharpen the gourds. So it came to pass in verse 22, in the day of battle, that there were neither swords nor spears found in the hand of any of the people. Remember the teaching of the hands that were with Saul and Jonathan. But Saul and Jonathan, his son, there was found. There were the only ones that had them. Consider that. A whole army and only two men are equipped for battle because the smiths, the ones that are involved in the sword making and the spear making had been removed from the land. Now that should say a lot to us. Well, consider this food for thought and for the imagination. Join us on Saturday as we continue to pick up and find out what the Amalekites had to do in all of this. But until then, keep looking up our redemption draweth nigh. Jesus is closer today than he was yesterday. And every day and every minute, every hour counts. His reward is with him. Don't let no man take your crown. 
The Lord richly bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.